Amen. As you're being seated, if you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. We're walking through the Gospel of Matthew line by line. We've been doing that now for 22 weeks or so. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to wrap up this section here in Matthew chapter 9 today. If you haven't been here, I'll give you a quick 30-second run-through to kind of sort of get you caught up, all right? So Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2 tells the story of how King Jesus entered into this world. It wasn't so silent of a night. It was really a cosmic invasion. The king of heaven was invading this planet to bring hope and redemption and salvation. Matthew chapter three and four, Jesus goes public and we see the public baptism of Jesus and then he goes into the wilderness where he's tempted. This is the beginning of his ministry. You could say this is sort of the the landing on the beaches, right? This is the D-Day of the ministry of Jesus. And then we got to Matthew chapter five and six and seven is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's really, you could say, the king's manifesto. The king is saying, this is what my kingdom is about. And this is what kingdom people in my kingdom are gonna be like and how they're gonna live. And in the last five weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter eight and chapter nine, which is filled with battle stories about Jesus battling for the hearts and the lives of people. We see Jesus in Matthew eight and nine over and over again pouring out his compassion on people and pouring his power into people. And we started this section, Matthew eight and nine, by talking about this. And maybe a few of you might remember this. Just nod your head and make me feel happy that maybe you remember this. But we launched into Matthew eight talking about this, fighting for the heart of our king to fight for the heart of our king. Any head nods in the room? All right, cool, awesome. All right, so we're gonna bookend that today with this. And this is what we wanna talk about today is following the heart of our king. Following the heart of our king. And I'm convinced of this, that if God's people, kingdom people, would truly follow the heart of King Jesus, this world could get turned right side up. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's not right side up today. And it seems to be going deeper and further in the wrong direction. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to stand back and cast blame and point fingers. But the reality is Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount to us, his kingdom people, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And I just believe with all my heart today that if we really got serious today, about following the heart of King Jesus, we could really see Jesus do a great redeeming work, a work that would bring hope to this world that is so lost in hurt and hopelessness. So we get to these final just handful of verses at the end of Matthew chapter nine. They're short, but they're so packed full of beautiful truth that unveils for us more understanding of what the heart of Jesus is like, what the heart of our king is really truly like. And I'm gonna point out three things out of our text today about the heart of our king. And as we look at these, my hope and prayer is not that we just go, okay, I see that, but I pray that God would work in our heart in such a way today that we would say, if that's the heart of King Jesus, that's the heart that I want. I wanna follow the heart of my king. That, that maybe today there would be just one person that would rise up and say, I'm in. I'm gonna follow the heart of King Jesus. 
So what is his heart like? Let's look at our text. Number one, let me tell you this, the attention of the king's heart. I want you to see that, the attention of the king's heart. What is his attention on? What is the heart of King Jesus attentive to? What is the heart of King Jesus focused on? Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, Jesus continued going around to all the towns. Matthew's gonna lay out some superlative words here in this verse. He's going to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. Clearly, the heart of King Jesus, the attention of his heart, is on people. His heart was then for people. And he has not changed. His heart today is for people. Matthew describes Jesus here as relentlessly, tirelessly, ceaselessly going around to all the towns, to all of the villages. He's healing every disease. He's healing every sickness. He's taking every moment, every opportunity to place himself in front of every person that he possibly can. He desires to have a transformative encounter with every person that he possibly can. And he is the same Jesus today. He still desires today to have an encounter with every human being. Even right now, this day, it is no mistake that you're here. God desires King Jesus. His heart is attentive to people. Today, his heart is on you. His heart, his attention is for you. And today, he wants to set himself before you that you might have an encounter today with King Jesus, an encounter that would change you, that would transform you from the very depths of your being. And when Jesus does that, when he puts himself in front of you, that's exactly what he's gonna do. He's not just gonna change a part of you or modify this. He comes to change us through and through in every way. This is the attention of our king's heart. He's focused on the totality of you, the totality of you. Now let's go to class for a minute. Let's talk about the subject matter of you. That's an interesting topic to talk about. The Bible says that you are made up of two things, really, a body and a soul. You're not a body that has a soul. You're a soul that has a body. The soul is that eternal part of you. This is just the temporary tent that we're living in, the temporary shell that we're living in. But that's what we got right now. We've got a body and a soul, all right? Now, you might wanna write this down. I'll probably put it on the test, all right? The soul is made up of three parts. The body's made up of a lot of parts. That's a whole nother class that we're not gonna teach here today. But the soul's only made up of three parts. Your mind and your will and your emotion. That's the soul of every human being. That's the eternal part of you. Mind, will, and emotion. The mind is the thinking part of you. That's the, the rational part of your soul. Your will, that's the decision-making part of you, of your soul. That's the part of your soul that makes choices and decisions. And the soul is also made up of emotion. That's the feeling part of you, the emotional side that comes with that. And I'm not pulling this out of thin air. This is what the Bible teaches. 
over and over throughout scripture as it describes the soul, it's describing it in terms of those three components, mind, will, and emotion. I'll show you. As it relates to the mind being a part of our soul, example, Proverbs 2.10 says this, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be delightful to your soul. Knowledge is a thing of the mind, right? It's knowing something, and he says knowledge will be delightful to your soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, the ability to think. Psalm 139, verse 14, the psalmist says, I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. The soul has the capacity to think. That's the thinking part of our soul. Lamentations 3.20, my soul certainly remembers. The soul can remember because part of the soul is the mind. God has given us this ability to reason and to think, and that's part of our soul. Then the soul has a will. Some of you, I've heard you say, yeah, we have a strong-willed child. I know you do. And I know why they're strong-willed, because I know their mom and daddy. <laughs> Some of y'all are strong-willed people, right? You make your mind up, you make a choice, you make a decision, and it's hard to deviate you from that. And that's the part of your soul, the will, the determining part, the decision-making part. Job chapter seven, for example, verse 15. So that my soul would choose suffocation, death, rather than my pains. This is Job going, hey, let's get out of this. My soul would choose. So the soul has the capacity to choose, to decide. Here's another one, Job 6, 7. My soul refuses, he says. The soul can make a choice to refuse, to Accept, to receive, to reject. First Chronicles twenty two nineteen. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. Your soul has the capacity to decide, am I gonna seek God or am I gonna run from God? Am I gonna go to God or am I gonna turn from God? The soul can think, it has a mind, it has a will, and it has emotions. Emotions are many. There's love, there's hate, there's joy, there's sorrow. All that comes out of the soul. For example, Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse seven. Tell me, you whom my soul loves. See, the soul not only can think, not only decide, but the soul has emotion. It has the capacity to love. Psalm 42, one, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul, my soul pants for you. This is a longing, an emotional desire and longing that's coming out of the soul. Isaiah 61.10, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will be joyful in God. So the soul is feeling something. It's emotion. There's so many more scriptures we can look at today, but you get the point. This is the teaching of scripture, that God has given us body and God has given us soul. And within that soul is mind, will, and emotion. Now go back to Matthew 9 and the attention of our king's heart. King Jesus' heart is attentive to the whole person. This is important. He is attentive to the entire person. Right now, in this moment, King Jesus is attentive to your body. He's attentive to your soul, to the mind, to the will, and the emotion that makes up what your soul is. He's attentive to the entire person. Person. And verse 35 is gonna show us this clearly. I want you to see it, and we're gonna break it down. Verse 35 says, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Just pause there for a moment. The Bible says Jesus is teaching in their synagogues. The word teaching there in the Greek is the word didaskos. 
Some of you educators, when you went to school to become a teacher, they taught you didactic, the didactic method of teaching. This is where they taught you how to create a lesson plan and how to take that lesson plan and to teach it effectively to pupils and to students. So Jesus here in the synagogues, he's in the role of teacher. He's in the role of rabbi. He's like a professor. Now, if you're paying attention, you should be thinking, oh, he's targeting this part of the soul. What part of the soul is he after in the synagogue? Their minds, the part that none of you are using right now, apparently. He's targeting their minds. That's what he's after. Here's the deal. King Jesus, his attention, the attention of his heart is on your mind today. Whatever's on your mind is also on his because our king's heart is attentive to you, to all of you. But that's not all. Look at the next part of verse 35. It says that he was also preaching the good news. So Jesus was not only in the role of professor, he's also in the role of preacher here. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. Aren't we thankful for a king? whose message is good and good news. Aren't we just tired of all the bad news? But Jesus has come and he's brought good news. He's preaching it. The word there is the word kairuso, which means to formally announce or herald with authority. The understanding of that is who hears that then should be compelled to act upon it, to make a decision or a choice what they're gonna do with what they've just heard. So Jesus teaches to the mind. He preaches to the will. Teaching targets the part of the soul we know as the mind. Preaching targets the part of the soul that we know as the will. Teaching calls for thought. Preaching calls for, now what are you gonna do with it? Right? It calls for Action And so King Jesus' heart, and I want you to see this, is attentive to the totality of every human being, to the entirety of every person, to their mind, to their will, and to their emotion, to what we feel. The text goes on to say, and he was healing every disease and every sickness. The word healing there is the word therapuyo. So we get our word therapy. It means he was restoring to health. Wherever there was sickness, wherever there was disease, he was restoring health. Why? Because the king's heart is attentive not only to our souls, but also to our bodies. He cares today. He's attentive today to what's going on with your body. The aches, the pains, the hurts, the parts of it that aren't working like it ought to work. And what you're doing with your body that is of great interest to King Jesus, but with these physical healings, Jesus wasn't only healing their physical body, but he was still touching that third part of their soul, their emotion. Because we see this, and we've seen it, especially through Matthew eight and nine, every time he healed somebody physically, their emotions also changed, right? Their countenance changed. Their outlook changed. Now, I told you all of this that I've just told you, this whole lesson about the soul and mind and body and, 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 and will and, and emotion, I've told you all of that because I need you to know this today. I need you to know this. The heart of King Jesus is attentive 
to you, to everything about you. There is nothing about you that he is not paying 100% attention to today. I know you may be here and, and you may feel, even though you're in a crowd of people, you may feel lonely because it seems that nobody cares or nobody is paying attention to you. But I am telling you today, King Jesus, he is so attentive to you. This is his heart. To everything about you, your mind and what it's on right now, he's paying attention to that. The choices and decisions that are in front of you right now, as difficult and hard and challenging as they may be, he is fully attentive to that in your life today. Those emotions that you're feeling today, maybe they're the lightest and the brightest highs, or maybe they're the lowest and the heaviest of lows, but I promise you today, Jesus is paying attention to you and to what's on your mind and to what you feel and to the decisions and choices that are in front of you. And he's paying attention, yeah, to our bodies today too. He knows where you're broken. He knows where you hurt. He knows where you ache. This is our king. We have his fullest attention, the heart of our king, his attention, the attention of Jesus' heart. Every bit of you has every bit of his attention. All of you has all of him. And I want us to follow that heart today. I want us to see not only the attention of the king's heart, but secondly, I want you to see the motivation of the king's heart. What is motivating King Jesus to pay this kind of attention to people? What is driving him to be this attentive? Really, I think there's two things that are motivating King Jesus today. First of all is his compassion. His compassion is what's motivating him. We saw the compassion of Jesus last Sunday in vivid, beautiful detail. His compassion for people. We saw this woman who had been suffering with a terrible disease spend all of her resources. 12 years she had been struggling with this and in a moment she's healed and Jesus turns and he looks at her. He looks deeply into her eyes and he calls her daughter. He's driven by compassion for people. We watched him last week as he bent over and spoke gentle resurrection words into the cold dead ears of a little 12-year-old girl. What motivates him to pay attention to us is his compassion for people. We watched him last week as he touched the eyes of two blind men and restored their sight. And he touched the man who was possessed by a demon, was unable to speak, and he delivered him. His compassion is boundless. It runs deeper. You and I can't even begin to fathom. Just as we can't fathom how powerful he is, we cannot fathom how compassionate Jesus also is. Matthew 9:36, where we're going now is gonna help you and I understand a little bit better just how compassionate Jesus is. Let's break it down, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, all of these people that he's fully attentive to, body, mind, will, and emotion, he sees all those people, 
And it's not some deluded understanding of what he sees. He sees it all, just like he sees it all in this room right now. It's not like he can see part of what's going on in Chuck's life and part of what's going on in mine because he can't handle it all at once. He's almighty God. And so he sees the crowd, the Bible says, and he felt compassion. That word there means he felt it in his gut. Like he physically, viscerally felt it. It moved him. I mean, stomach turns, chest gets tight, not in the throat. He feels it. The Bible says, and when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew uses two key words there. He says, distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Distressed means to be torn apart, to be skinned, to be flayed. This is what happens to sheep when they don't have a shepherd. The wolves come in and pounce and the wolves begin to skin the sheep alive. To begin the process of turning the sheep into their next meal. And that's how Jesus saw these people. They were people who were being skinned alive by sin. Skinned alive by Satan. Jesus still sees people that way today. As he looks across humanity today, he still sees that people are being skinned alive by sin and by Satan. And Matthew says the people were not only distressed, but he says they were also dejected. The word dejected there means to be slammed down violently. Jesus sees humanity and sees that humanity is being skinned alive by sin and Satan and violently thrown down and destroyed. And the Bible says he saw these people like sheep without shepherds, and it hurt him to his core. This is the compassion of Jesus. His compassion for people is his motivation for being attentive. But there's another source of motivation, not just his compassion, but I think it's this, I think it's his sense of urgency. A sense of urgency. Look at what he says next, verse 37. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant. He's looking at a field full of human beings. And he says, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Jesus looks out and he sees a multitude of broken people who are ready to be unbroken. He's looking out at a field full of people who are lost, who are ready to be found. He's looking out across a field full of people who are hopeless, but they are longing for hope. He's looking out at a sea of humanity who have no place to belong, and there's a kingdom that has come that he's ready to welcome them into, but Jesus says, here's the problem, nobody's going out to them. Nobody's telling them rescue has come, salvation has come, hope has come. Here's the invitation from the king himself. You're invited. You have a kingdom to belong in, but nobody's taking the invitations to them. The workers, he said, are few here. The harvest is abundant, 
but the workers aren't. And do you feel that? Do you feel the urgency of Jesus here? He feels it in his gut. And he's motivated by compassion, but he's motivated by this sense of urgency. He says the fields are ready to be harvested. When the crops are ready, they don't wait. They don't grow with preservatives in them. You can't harvest early. You can't harvest late. There's a moment. There's a small window, and Jesus says, we're there. Now is the time, and there's this sense of urgency, and God is at work today in our world. And I am telling you, there are broken people who are ready today to be healed. There are lost people today who are ready to be saved. There are lonely people without a place to belong who just need to know there is a good king, and he came, and he gave his life, and here's an invitation for you to come and to be a part of his kingdom. We gotta have that sense of urgency because every day people are dying on the vine. Every single day in this world of brokenness and desperation and there's simply not enough workers. Compassion and urgency. That's the motivation behind our king's heart, his heart of attention to people. So we've seen the attention of the king's heart, right? You got that? We've seen the attention of the king's heart. I will get into your barbecue tomorrow if you do not nod your head. We've seen the attention of the king's heart. Yeah, it's on people. Totality of people. And we've seen the motivation of the king's heart. It's compassion for these people and a sense of urgency. And three, see this. Don't you see the king's solution? The solution from the king's heart. The picture is people are being destroyed. The harvest is ready. The workers are not. So here's the solution. Jesus says, verse 38, therefore. When you see a therefore in the Bible, you always ask, what's the therefore, therefore? It's a connecting thought. It's just connected. We got something going on here. There's people that are ready to come in the kingdom, but nobody's going out to tell them. Therefore, he says, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. He says, pray. That's what we gotta be doing today, pray. That God would send people into the world to invite people to know King Jesus, to come into the kingdom of Jesus. People are being skinned alive every day by sin and by Satan, being slammed violently today in this world. And we need to pray, church, we need to pray. God, would you send somebody into this broken world. God, would you send somebody into this hurting world? God, would you send somebody to these people so that they could know you, so that their life could forever be changed? We should be praying for God to raise up kingdom people that would go into this world that would see people like King Jesus sees people. We need to be praying today that God would send kingdom people into this world that would love people like King Jesus loves people. Grace Life, we need to be praying that today. Put that at the top of our prayer list today. God, would you send kingdom people into this world to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus, that they could come into your kingdom, that they could know you. But as we pray, you need to know this. Somebody came before you that already prayed that, and that means you're the answer to their prayers. We're on the clock. It's our time to go into the field. 
I get to work one shift for King Jesus. And I don't know how long that shift is gonna last, but I don't wanna sleep on the job. I wanna make this count. It's our time now to be the workers that go into the field on behalf of Jesus. It's our turn. We're the answers to the prayers that others have prayed before us. We are the ones. Now is the time. We are the ones to go and see people the way Jesus sees people. I'm afraid we're far from seeing people like he sees people. We're harsh, we're jaded, we're cynical, we're critical. I know. God, change our hearts. We're the people. He's calling to see people like he sees people. We're the people now. It's our turn. It's our shift to go and to love people the way that King Jesus loves people. As kingdom people, listen, we don't get to choose to either pray or work. That's not the option. It's both. Do you guys realize what a privilege that is? That we get to speak to Almighty God. We get to pray. God, would you send a tsunami of kingdom people to flip this world right side up? We get to talk to him and do that. But then we get to be a part of the tsunami that's going out there to do that. This is not mere duty that we have as followers of Jesus. This is glorious privilege that we have. We get to talk to him and we get to go for him. And if we follow our king's heart through these verses today at the end of Matthew 9, here's what's gonna happen. You start to follow his heart. He's teaching us. He's teaching us how to see people like he sees people, the totality of a person, their body and their soul, their mind, their will, their emotion. And he's teaching us, if we'll follow his heart, he's not only teaching us how to see people here, but he's teaching us how to love. He's teaching us how to love people. And people aren't always easy to love, are they? but he's teaching us how to love. He's teaching us how to care, how to be compassionate, how to see behind the curtain that this is a person who's being skinned alive by sin and by Satan. This is a person who's being slammed every single day and they've yet to find hope and victory. But we know where it comes from. He's teaching us that. And he's teaching us what to do about all this. Have a sense of urgency. Have compassion. Pray. And work. Pray. And work. I prayed for some of you, all of you, you're a part of the Grace Life family, I've prayed for all of you this week, but for some of you, I've prayed very specifically for you this week. 
Because God is stirring hearts at Grace Life. Multiple conversations I've had in just the last couple of weeks. People saying to me, I know God's calling me. I know he's calling me out. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like, but he's stirring my heart. It's not to be where I am now. It's not the same. It's calling me into something different. There's a call that he's working into me. And I've been praying for you. And I've been praying that today, somebody today might hear what Isaiah heard in Isaiah chapter six. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who will I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I will. Here I am. Send me. I don't know where we're going. And I don't know what we're gonna do. And I'm a little overwhelmed. And I'm a little nervous about this, God. But here I am. I wanna follow your heart. Send me. And maybe today is your Isaiah 6, 8 day. Where you hear the Lord saying, hey, are you ready? I don't want you just to pray for workers. I'm calling you to be one. I wonder today, will you say, God, here I am. Send me. God, we bow our hearts before you today. Thankful for a king like you, Jesus. Thankful for a king whose heart is so attentive to every person in totality, the whole person. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for a king today that is operating with a sense of urgency. God, help us to do the same. God, we wanna follow your heart. Help us to follow your heart today, Jesus. Teach us to see people as you see them, to love people as you love people, to care for people as you care for people. God, would you awaken your people, your church here in this place, starting with this pastor today. And set our hearts on fire for the glory of your name in this world, for your purposes and your plans, for your agenda. Help us to set aside right now our own and take up yours and to follow the heart of King Jesus. That's what's in front of you guys right now this morning. Yes, to following the heart of King Jesus, or no. It's just that simple. I pray today, like Isaiah, you would stand and give him a clear and a bold and emphatic yes. Yes. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord.